If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to take them and turn with me to the book of Romans this morning, chapter 12, as we continue on in our series, The Gifts of Grace. Welcome everyone this morning to Big Woods Bible Church. Thank you, Pastor Stewart, for tormenting, teasing the little ones with chocolate and then just sending them out with nothing. <clears throat> hey, good news today. Good news today. It is my joy and privilege to introduce to the body here at Big Woods Bible Church for the very first time, um, Joshua Jr., to my understanding, Selby. Um, congratulations to Josh and Katrina for the birth of their son, who if I... I'm having a hard time because there's a lot of babies, and that is exciting, that is good. Wasn't he just born last Sunday? And his first Sunday, like, like first one possible, he's here. I hope I don't wake him up. But let me, let me, let me just comment. That's a wise family right there. Because as you are surrounded by people who love you and pray for you, you have been gifted and your responsibility is to raise him in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And there is no better place, no better place than to be alongside God's people. And, and did you hear Joshua Jr. for the very first time heard what? All of us together singing, Behold our God. That's just a delight. Welcome into the world, little one. I was um, singing. I stink at singing. My voice is horrible, and I feel bad for my wife and those around me. But I love, I love, I love to lift up my voice and sing. And for some reason today, as we're singing of God's amazing grace, I'm listening to Scripture. I just feel so acutely aware of the Lord's presence this morning, and I rejoice in that. And as we go to the Lord in prayer, I know as well, as Pastor Robbie and Pastor Aaron already alluded to, that there are people going through difficult challenges right now. Challenges personally, uh, physically, emotionally, spiritually, just dry. We need to be lifting up one another in prayer, building up the body of Christ. And as we focus this morning primarily and ultimately on the Lord Jesus Christ himself, we also need to be acutely aware of one another in the journey that we have before us. Would you bow your heads and, and pray with me as we just commit our time to the Lord this morning that together as we prepare to celebrate the Lord's Supper that we would have our minds focused on the Lord as we behold him this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you and praise you and lift up your name and adore you for who you are. We thank you that we have full access to your throne room and all of your might and power and sovereignty through the work and in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the body of believers that have gathered. We, we pray, Lord, for, for dear little Joshua's first Sunday here that he would early give his life to you. And Father, we would build up and pray for and 
be aware of one another. I pray, Lord, for those this morning. I know many that are struggling in sickness, who were not able to join us in person, and I pray for them, and I ask, Lord, that you would put put your hand, place your hand upon them, and, and strengthen them, and encourage them as they're absent. Father, I pray for people that are here this morning, ones that perhaps have, have, have drugged themselves here, but Lord, they are here by design, and you have called them. And I pray, Lord, that these few moments that we have together as a body, as your children, that we, Lord, would be sensitive to, to hear the words of your Spirit speaking to us, that if there's areas in our life that we need to confess and, and, and admit our wrongdoing, that we would do that. We thank you, Lord, that you delight in our pleas and our cries as we come to you asking for mercy. We thank you, Lord, that you love us unconditionally, that there's no sin that will ever separate us from you when we come to you in the name and through the work of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the resurrected Savior. We thank you, Lord, that there is hope for forever and ever, that there is eternal life because of Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that as I open your word and, and read it to these dear people this morning, that you would just give me clarity of mind and thought and speech, that we would examine our heart and see what it is that we have to offer you with willingness and cheerfulness. Lord, we're amazed at your presence. Guide us now, bless us, lead us, speak to us. We ask this in the amazing name of Jesus. Amen and amen. It has been a, a slow, careful journey through um, the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12. We've been kind of pausing on this because Romans is broken into two sections. First 11 chapters are that doctrinal instruction. There was, some, there was some heavy lifting there. We were working our way through some challenging doctrine and, and verses chapters 12 through 16 are, are more of the, the practical application. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit, what gives to every single person who acknowledges the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior a gift, at least one gift. So we've been examining what are these gifts and how are they to be used. And the gifts ultimately we know what are for the glory of God. They are to glorify God, but they are also designed to edify or to build up one another. And so what happens when we examine gifts is that we very quickly realize this, this whole series, this whole study is a lot about God and others, and it's a little about you. Think, think of that. I know, I, I don't even know if you guys are alive anymore. Remember Gary Larson years ago with the Far Side? And I'm still a Far Side fan. I don't think it's been a newspaper in like 20 years. But I love Gary Larson and the Far Side. And, and I remember one particular comic. There are always those little, little single ones. And, and it's one of the, the Roman galley ships where the, the rowers are all in the bottom, the lower part of the boat, and, and there's all these lines of like muscled up guys, and they're just pulling on the oars, and you can kind of see this. And in the middle of all of those guys lined up, just pulling for all their might, there's, there's like one skinny guy in the middle, and he's got his hand up. He says, excuse me, I've got a splinter over here. And at some level, th that's, 
That's how I feel what happens when we examine the responsibility that a lot of times we're really, really concerned about our own tiny little, as opposed to, wait a minute, we all have an order pull here. We all have work to do. What is it that God has called for us to do? And so I want to remind you that although you've been given by grace this spiritual gift, let's not get caught up in, in the box of, okay, I have this gift, I have this gift, and so this is what I do, and then you do that, and I don't have to do anything else, and we don't cross. Let's, let's, let's be aware of the Holy Spirit. That's why we begin in Romans chapter 12, what, 1 and 2, a living sacrifice. It's all about living in humble submission to the Lord as a result of his mercy in our life and a result of his grace that he's given to us. If, if we get that down, if we just, what, are the living sacrifice that God has designed, it's going to be less focus on ourselves and more on others. And that's when joy comes. The challenge is knowing that, what, yes, we're all unique. We're all gifted in various ways. We all have different view and angle of life. And yet we all have a job to do to be part of the body of Christ. By way of a very quick review, and, and I don't want to keep reading over and over, but where have we gone so far? We talk about in, in what? In Romans chapter 12, it says in verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And it begins with what? If prophecy in proportion to our faith. By way of review, the very first gift to us, the gift of prophecy, was the Spirit-given ability of interpreting and speaking the word of God clearly and accurately. It continues on. If service in our serving. The spiritual gift of serving is defined as the spirit given ability to identify unmet needs. Making use of available resources to meet those needs. Some of you just love to show up and serve in some capacity. Why? Because there's a need within the body. It continues on, the one who teaches in his teaching. The definition of the gift of teaching is a spirit-given ability to communicate information that is relevant, not just show off with how much you know, okay? Information that is relevant to the health and the strength of the local church. Last week, we looked at what? The one who exhorts in his exhortation. The Spirit-given ability to come alongside others and offer words of comfort and consolation and counsel that help people in a way that they feel helped. And that's a really key part. It's not just you spewing words that you feel that God has given to you. It's what? Helping them, coming alongside, journeying with them in a way that they respond to it. So today we have what? The one who contributes... With generosity. We're going to look at the gift of giving. I've done this with almost every single one. You examine different translations. You look at the original language. And, and what's interesting here, he who contributes, let him do it with generosity, is almost every single translation translates this exactly the same way. There's very little deviation. Different words that mean the same thing. He who contributes or he who gives is to do this what? 
with generosity or do it generously. Another one is what? Do it liberally. With the exception of the old King James Version uses a rather interesting word here. I want to draw our attention to. It says, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. It's, it's quite different. Not, not only does it speak about what the gift is, but here, as we begin to examine this word, and we examine what it means to give generously or give simplicity, it talks about how this gift is to be exercised. Not just what the gift is, but how it is to be exercised. And it carries with it the idea of simplicity means a singleness of heart. And it translates a bountifulness. The Greek lexicon actually adds, talks about mental honesty. And it's described as a virtue of one who is free from pretense and dissimulation. What does that mean? It means that our giving is not only to be generous. Here, here, take it, take it. But it means it's supposed to be without public show. You know what I mean by that? For some reason, churches have become famous in messing up this area right here. I should say they have become infamous. And I began to look at the history, like how did this start or where did this start? And to tell you the truth, I don't, I don't, I didn't fully get a great answer. Like why is it that we must give for show? I think initially it was meant to honor someone. But, but what happens is this. Think of this. The man, the woman, the family who is only willing to give when they get their name engraved in a little bronze plaque. Or they get their family name, what? Etched in the end of an oak pew. That person has not understood the spirit that gives without return. I, I did a lot of reading and, and research, and so forgive me, but I lost my source. But I was reading one particular pastor who, who described the, the time that he was visiting a church and he drove into the parking lot, and he drove into the back parking lot instead of the front parking lot. And in the back of the parking lot, near the building, there was, a, there was an air conditioning unit. And for, for some reason, it was sunny, and something caught his eye. And, and in the back parking lot, on the air conditioning unit, was a bronze plaque that said, Donated in memory of Aunt Mildred. Whatever it was. And as he was walking, he literally, he literally think, he, he was thinking to himself, this is going to be a fun church. And I laughed at that. Like, I was laughing at that. Because people get so caught up. Am I going to be recognized? I'm willing to give. Oh, I'm willing to give. But, but is there some kind of of return in it for me. That, that, that's why I just want, like, just stop. I draw, in my notes, I draw little stop signs. We just stop here. Let me ask you this question. Who are you here for? Like this morning, you got up, made yourself beautiful. Some of you didn't do real well. 
Who are you here for? When you give, who is it for? Think for a moment, whose name do you want in lights? Do you want your name in lights, or do you want the name of Jesus in lights? Scripture is very, very clear on this subject. Mark chapter 12, Luke chapter 21, both tell the exact same story of the widow's might. Remember the little old lady who kind of shuffled up? where people are watching, and she drops in her two little, little copper coins. Both Mark chapter 12 and Luke chapter 21 reveal very clearly what God thinks, what God says about giving out of abundance to impress versus what? Giving sacrificially, giving generously, giving with simplicity, out of poverty. And we know the story. I'm not going to go back and read it all, but we know the story as Jesus is with his disciples. And people are bringing in large bags of like coins and, and gold and silver. And you hear the thud of the bag as it drops in the box. And then this little old lady kind of shuffles up and just kind of, and what happens? It's recorded in Mark chapter 12, verse 33, 43. It says, Jesus, and I love this. This is what discipleship looks like. Seize a teaching opportunity here. Don't ever miss a teaching opportunity. Jesus calling his disciples to him. Peter and John, quit fighting. Come on, boys. Peter, come over here. Let me, let, let me tell you something. Let me show you. And he, and he, doesn't, he doesn't diss. He does, he's not negative against, okay, the people that are giving for show. He actually says this. Let me read to you. It says in Mark chapter 12, verse 43, calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. Now, why is this important? Because that little old lady, she got it. She's the example for us this morning of what the gift of giving looks like that's what we're talking about it's 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 much bigger than the amount so erase the amount it's the attitude of the gift let's give you a working definition we get a working definition each week here's the definition we're going to use for the gift of giving it is a spirit given ability to willingly offer resources to people in need with generosity and i love this cheerfulness spirit given ability to willingly offer resources to people in need with generosity and cheerfulness now now we know and i'm not going to exhaust this the bible has much to say on the subject of property and much to say on the subject of prosperity and we are, we are very open at this church that we teach and I preach what? It is all under grace. As recipients of God's grace, that means every single thing that has been entrusted into our care belongs to the Lord. We are simply recipients of every good and perfect gift that is from above, coming down from the Father. James chapter 1, verse 17. We are what? We're just stewards. And let me remind you, it's not, it's not just 
the, the money that you hold in your hand or in your bank accounts, okay, it's every breath. It's every step. We are stewards. We hold. God has, in a sense, given to us this little period of time to hold what? The ability to think and speak and see everything that we have, everything that we are, is because of God's grace. It belongs to him. We're just his managers, temporarily. And I purposely begin here because what? According to our text, we know that every single one of us has an obligation to give, but some have a unique spirit-led gifting for it. Therefore, what? This is how we must use it generously. Now, before we go too far into this, we need to get out of our minds, get out of our heads that it's only reserved for the few that, that have been blessed with a lot. It's, it's not speaking about that. Again, go back to the widow's might. If you think that this is a, a gift that is only reserved for the few, that is totally wrong. This refers to anyone who gives beyond what is required, which is interesting. We actually have a requirement of what we're supposed to give. And someone who's been gifted uniquely by the Spirit in this way gives beyond that. Later on, the Apostle Paul writes what? In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the Lord loves, he loves a cheerful giver. I appreciate how R.C. Sproul, Sproul was a, a brilliant, brilliant theologian. And yet what's interesting is that he's just a Pennsylvania boy at heart. He's in Pittsburgh area, and he has the ability to take brilliant, deep concepts, and he communicates them with, with great simplicity and clarity. And he describes how this gift is to be exercised. And I quote, R.C. Sproul says this, Nobody wants to get a gift from a sourpuss who cannot stand to be parted with his money. And then he says this, God does not want such gifts, end quote. Which means what? Keep it. Y y you understand that? Just keep it. Like, whoa. And that's like, but I, I thought like it's really, no, just hold on to it. What's this? Okay, we get the little meadows white. The meadows white. The, the widow's might. We get that. What's it look like? Uh, Wendy's had an uncle, Uncle Dallas, who was with the Lord. Uncle Dallas was her dad, um, grandpa's twin. And both of them loved the Lord. Both of them are with the Lord. Both of them died the way that we all dream of dying. They just fell over dead one day. Like, it's the way to go, okay? Um, that has nothing to do with the gift of giving. I don't even know why. It's not in my notes at all. But Uncle Dallas was one that we actually witnessed, we watched up close as he exercised this gift. If you ever been to our house, we have, uh, <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm, we have chairs, like you have chairs, we got chairs around our table. And, and our chairs um, were given to us as a gift from Uncle Dallas, I think it was like tw over 25 years ago. 
And they're really nice chairs, but they have been sat on for many meals for many, many days. And those chairs are really rough. And the interesting thing is this, is that probably two or three or even four times we look at them, we have, we, we have got to replace these chairs. And every time we go to replace them, we can't. Because they remind us, this is what Uncle Dallas gave us. And so I re-glue them, and I have screwed screws in them, and our grandkids have been cut from the screws that are popping out of the chairs, but we can't replace them. Why? Because every time we see them, the reminders, this is what Uncle Dallas gave us. It was our first year in pastoral ministry. And they're, 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 they're not just, they're reminders. They're, they're monuments for us. What's interesting about Uncle Dallas is that when he was confronted with a need, he was not the type of man to, to really reach into his pocket and hand five or ten dollars to someone who is in need. That, that was not his goal. God blessed him in amazing ways, but his goal was not just to meet an immediate need, but what he would do when he was confronted with a need is that he would always sit with the individual, literally sit, and he would talk with them. He would meet with them. He would listen to them, and he would pray with them. And he would help them oftentimes fill out the job application to get a job. He would sit with them as a money manager and help set up a budget. He would, he would help them write and prepare a resume or prep for an interview. It was never about, what, just a handout. It was all about, what, lifting up. And I'm blessed by that example that we've witnessed up close. Uncle Dallas and I used to do jail ministry on Sunday afternoons. And, and he would never want me to say this, but he's dead, he's with the Lord, and so he doesn't really have much to say about it right now. We were driving one time on a Sunday afternoon to jail ministry, and he said, hey, hey Tim, he goes, would you pray with me? He, he, he would never, ever, he said, would you pray with me on something? He said, I, I have a goal. I'm like, yeah, yeah, Uncle Dallas, what is it? He said, well, well Aunt Chris and I are, we're trying something, he goes, it's a stretch, but we're trying to, it's called living on a reverse tithe. And I was like, um, what do you, what do you, you know me in math, I'm like, what do you mean reverse tithe? I get to 10%. He goes, no, no, we want to live and pay all of our bills on 10% of our income, and our goal is to give 90% of it away. And I was like, What? And he said, yeah, he goes, but he goes, w w will you pray with me on this? He said, because we're not there yet, but we're almost there. He, he died on a, on a Sunday morning early. I got a call on Sunday morning early. Um, Seth and I had lunch with him on Thursday, the, the Thursday before he died. And he was still asking, hey, can you pray for me on this? Because I'm almost there. I just want to give it away. And God blessed this man. And he just, he just could not. When we went to his funeral, there, there was person after person after person who stood up and, and said, I just want to thank the Lord for the impact that this man had on my life. Aunt Chris was totally shocked. Like, he was giving all, like, like really? 
And it was person after person. Yeah, yeah, Dallas bought me a car and Dallas got me a job. And, and Dallas set me up and he introduced me to this. And Dallas sat with me and he taught with me talked with me and he taught me and that's really what it looks like it's not just here here you go it's not about that thankfully we have what just as our church this church the church that belonged to the lord jesus christ the fellowships and worship here at big woods in the middle of the woods of pennsylvania just as we have been blessed with people who have the gift of of prophecy and i'm grateful for those ones those who have been blessed with the gift of teaching or the gift of exhortation or serving, we've been blessed with those who also have the gift of giving. And it's a, a wonderful gift that oftentimes allows churches to accomplish the many, many wonderful things that we are able to accomplish. And remember as well, this is not just about what? Not, it's not just even, even, it's not even just about the tangible. It, it's, it's oftentimes about giving the intangible I, I call them the invaluable intangibles the giving of time precious precious minutes hours i'm just willing to sit and offer that to be an encouragement and blessing to someone else i'm willing to give that people who offer their talents willingly we heard about the mccormick's need yesterday with uh, living in the flood zone and water coming in and, and a word went out and we need some guys and Craig sent me a picture I, I had another commitment and, and Craig sent me a picture and there was I counted 11 guys 10 of them were standing around their shovels there was one guy was working but there was plenty of help there was plenty of help and, and, and Denise wrote to the body just to say thank you because people, what? They had Saturdays planned. And they said, I I'm, I'm willing to give of my time. That's what this gift looks like. Amazingly, I believe this gift is also what? And oftentimes it's desired, it's their wish to be exercised with anonymity. No one really needs to know. They don't want anyone to know which is the opposite of those whom Jesus warned about, those who must sound the trumpet before they give. Matthew chapter 6, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, you have received your reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. You see, it's all about we behold Him. We give for Him. We don't give to get the little plaque in your name put on some air conditioning unit somewhere. There, there's examples not only of the, the widow's might, but I think of the churches in Macedonia. If you remember in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 8, it, it describes a, a small group of churches, and, and it's described what in the severe test of their affliction. It's described as what? In their extreme poverty. 
So there wasn't a lot, but they exercised this gift because they're listening and sensitive to the Spirit's leading in their life. And it says that they gave with great liberality, believing that sowing bountifully meant reaping bountifully. Stop. Is that you? Even, even in the midst of great affliction, so many people seem so depressed and so angry and so frustrated. I would oftentimes challenge you to think that you're so frustrated because all of your focus is on yourself as opposed to beginning to shovel out the blessings of what God has given to you. And all of a sudden, there is an overwhelming sense of joy that exists. You, sitting here this morning, may have the gift of giving if what? You find joy by staying out of the limelight. If, if, you, if you love, I, uh, I had, like most of us, we had ice and snow all over our driveway. I mean, it's been like a miserable winter. I politely say that. This is horrible. And, and, and I came home one day, and it was actually late in the evening. I came home, and my whole driveway had been scraped and perfectly clear. I just didn't have the time to get to it. And I, and I texted him, like, <laughs> texted the guy, I'm like, hey, man, thank you so much for doing that. And he's like, yeah, I didn't do that. He said, I was, I was busy doing something else. He goes, and, and to this day, there's mystery man out there. He just shows up and, and serves and gives time and effort and energy. If, if you love to kind of work, what, in the shadows, I'm just going to give this and run away. I'm going to knock on the door and leave the blessing so nobody knows and nobody sees. If you love to stay out of the limelight, maybe you're one. God has given it. If you take special delight in discovering the needs of others that, 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 that many overlook and, and share your resources to meet those needs. That you seem to be, you're, you're aware of something that others aren't aware of. Maybe you're one who has that need. There is no doubt the single greatest example. The one who, who exercises this particular gift perfectly. When we think about the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who gave, who gave in such a way as to meet our greatest need. The greatest need. The curse of sin and death. And there's only one way that, that need could ever, ever have been met. And Jesus, it says what? For the joy that was set before him endured the cross. If you and I knew what was around the corner and we knew it was going to be that much pain, I don't think we'd be heading that direction. And yet Jesus did for us. I love how it's worded in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6, that he gave himself as a ransom for all. There's no greater gift. Like, what's this look like? How was this done? Look to Jesus. Look to the cross. Look to realize that we have what? We are dying. We're dead apart from Christ. And Jesus Christ met that need. Jesus himself said, even as the Father knows me and I know the Father, 
and I lay down my life for the sheep. This is not about like writing a check, okay? This is not about waking up early to help somebody for an hour. Jesus says, I am willing to lay down my life. There is no greater friend than that. It says in John chapter 10, no, no one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord and I have the authority to lay it down. What, 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 a, what a joy it is for us to gather in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ knowing that we have been recipients that because of my sinfulness and your sinfulness, we deserve eternal separation and damnation. And yet for some reason, in a way that we will never totally understand this side of glory, the Lord looked down at us and he saw you and he saw me in all of our ugliness and our sinfulness. And he said, I'll take the pain so that boy doesn't have to. And I'll die so she can live. There is no greater example of one who's been, what, gifted to give than the Lord Jesus Christ. There are strengths that we have amongst us that are wonderful. And I'll very quickly go through those to help us identify those with the gift of giving. Tends to save money and are often very wise in managing resources. If you're beginning to determine, I think this may be, I'd love to exercise my gift this way. Usually they're very, very hard workers. Praise God for that. They often enjoy becoming personally involved in the lives of those that they give support to or help. Which it's not just what? A handout. It's what? It's the Uncle Dallas to lift up. They become personally invested and they care and they love and they love to motivate others to give generously. They, they understand what? The Lord loves a cheerful giver. You wouldn't believe how ecstatic, how much fun this is and I want you to enjoy it. That's someone with the gift of giving. With all strengths, there's always our weaknesses that we need to be aware of. Sometimes they could be um, easily tempted to, to, to judge a person or a ministry based on an, an incident that appears to be unwise or, or maybe is a, a poor decision. Sometimes they can, they can be critical, and so we want to guard against that. We all can be like that. That's why we need to be sensitive to the Spirit's leading. Sometimes they can react negatively to, to pressure to give. They don't, like to, they, don't, they don't necessarily like to be asked to give. They want to give anonymously. They want to give kind of behind the scenes. Assuming that, what? You don't need to ask me. Others can do this. Sometimes they can suffer from tunnel vision, I call it. Sometimes focus on one particular issue and, and miss the, the kind of the bigger picture, the priorities of other people. And again, I know at some level this may kind of sound nitpicky, but there's always strengths. There's always weaknesses that we have to be aware of as we work together. How do you personally identify your spiritual gift? Remember, we talk about this. If you want to learn how to swim, you're going to have to get in the pool. There's no other way to do it. Same idea, we pray and, and we look around for a need. You won't have to look very hard. Just like last week, gift of exhortation. You don't have to spend a lot of time to find people to encourage or exhort 
Same idea. You don't have to look very far. We think of our own Afghan resettlement plan and needs. There's needs all over. Benevolent needs within the body. Pray and look for a need. Uh, secondly, I, I, I wrote this. Think for a moment. This is what our action item. This is what we do. How do, I, how do I figure out if I have this? Think of all that you've been blessed with, okay? That could take hours to do. I've been blessed. I've been blessed. I've been blessed. Pick, pick something specific. If it's a, a particular amount, amount of money or amount of time, and I, I put in parentheses and then increase that amount and just give it away. And I think that begins to determine whether you have this gift or not. So think about what you've been blessed with. Determine, I, I could do this. Stretch it. And then just give it. Thirdly and finally, wait and see how the Lord brings immeasurable joy into your life. What does it say in Acts chapter 20? It is far more blessed to give than to receive. You wonder with people that are struggling in such levels, perhaps you're so worried, you're so tight, you're so what? Knotted up. God's saying, wait a minute. I blessed you. How are you being a blessing to others? As we transition, I think of one of the most well-known texts of Scripture in, in all of the Word. And it says what? For God so loved the world that he gave, he gave his only begotten Son. There's no greater, there's no greater blessing than our own child so that whoever believes on him he didn't just give him into nothingness for purpose whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life i have told you on many many occasions and i will tell you again if you or my son you and my son or my grandson or my granddaughter were on train tracks and there's a train coming towards them and the train's coming towards you. And I, and I can push one of you out of the way. I can push one to safety. I can push you to safety. I can push my son to safety. I'm very honest and very upfront. You're dead. That's the way that a dad thinks. But God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. What does that look like? We know that when the early church was gathered. The very small group of disciples were listening to the Lord Jesus Christ teach. We know that as an object lesson, he, he gave to them what? A, a picture that they would remember, the, the bread that was at the table. And he took it and he broke it and he said, this is a picture of my body. It's going to be broken for you, but it's for you. That's who God is. He gives his body for us. It says that he took the fruit of the vine and he poured it out as a picture, as a symbol of his own blood that was going to be poured out. And he passed the cup around and they all took a sip. 
And he said, this is a picture of my blood. This is for you. Again, a gift for you. That when we acknowledge the sacrifice that has been offered, the price that has been paid for your sin and for my sin, we begin to, we, we begin to get it. God, God loves us that much. God loves us that much. So important is this visible reminder that we can, we can touch it and we can taste it and see it and smell it. So powerful is this reminder that Jesus said, what, until I come back to get you, I want you to do this regularly. Do this in remembrance of me. Don't ever forget what I gave you. Don't ever forget. We have perfected receiving. That's why we have moments to remember what we have received. Forgiveness of sin. Payment. Atonement. Justification. All an acknowledgement of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. So it is what? It is our tradition regularly. Just as we are instructed to be obedient to the word of God. To gather together. And we do it the third Sunday. Because Three is the number of God. I just figured out why we do it the third Sunday after all these years. I could never figure out why. Because three is the number of God. So now we know. So we never forget who died so that we could live. So I want to invite you. If you're a believer, you've acknowledged the Lord Jesus Christ, you know that you're a sinner, you know that your sin separates you, but you've put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you've received him as your Savior, and you desire to live in obedience to him. So it's not just taking, it's what? I need to live in obedience to his word. You want him to be Lord of your life. So he's Savior and Lord. If you have made that decision, then this is going to be offered to you. And I would encourage you, take this. And as you take this gift, this reminder, be grateful for God's grace and mercy. I also want to be just expressly clear, explicitly clear, without being rude. If you have not made a decision to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, then, then please, I, I don't want to, don't take this. Because it would, it would be silly. It would be meaningless to you. If you're living your own life and you think that salvation is what? Yours, your, your problem in your hands, then please don't take this. This isn't for you. But it can be. Because that decision can be made right now. Nobody needs any convincing to know that we are broken sinners in need of a Savior. And if you accept the fact, even this very moment, Yes, I need Jesus to be Lord of my life and I accept his gift that has been offered by grace. Then this is for you. Take this, take this and enjoy this and savor it and remember what has been offered for you. The elders are going to come now and um, they're going to serve this to you at some level, but you have a responsibility to get up and go to one of the six stations, five stations um, and they will serve you um, the bread and the cup. I would ask you to take that and go back to your seats. And then I'm going to pray in a moment. And we will take that as a family because we are family, brothers and sisters in Christ. And we celebrate God's gift to us this morning.
Thank you, my brothers. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we are most grateful. We're amazed at your the demonstration of, of love for us. That you're willing to offer your own son, Jesus, to suffer and die on our behalf. And we thank you for the gift that has been given. Father, we receive this morning by faith a demonstration of your love and your grace in accepting the broken body of Jesus and his shed blood that atones for our sinfulness. We thank you. Now as we take this as a reminder, may we, may we take it with great care and thought and gratitude. May, may we be encouraged this morning to live as, as you've modeled for us, to give to others as you've given to us. Bless this bread and, and this cup. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Scriptures say that on the night that Jesus Christ was betrayed, he, he took bread and after he had given thanks, he broke it and he said this. This is my body. This is for you. This has been given to you. Take this. Eat this in remembrance of me. It says in the same way also he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes and oh how we look forward to when he comes. Mark's gospel said that before they left the upper room, they sang together. Pastor Aaron's going to come and lead us as we do just that.